Welcome to the podcast, Amazing Tales from Off and On Connecticut's Beaten Path, and I'm your host, Mike Allen. Well, if you can believe the stories, there's a lot of valuable Revolutionary War currency stashed away at a couple of secret hiding places in Connecticut, and this week we're going to take a look at several such stories. Our guest today is going to tell us about one of those intriguing stories. Joe I.M. Martino is president of the Thompson, Connecticut Historical Society, and he's been the president for the past 20 years. And some of the loot just may be hidden in his town. And he's going to be along in a moment with all those details. This week's trivia question. What is the name of the original horse and buggy trail from Kent, Connecticut to Salisbury? And here's a hint. It is not Route 7. Stick around after our show today and we'll give you the answer so you'll know the subject of next week's episode. Amazing Tales from Off and On Connecticut's Beaten Path is brought to you by our sponsor, Yale New Haven Health. Yale New Haven Hospital was the very first hospital in Connecticut. They opened their doors 200 years ago and later introduced the entire country to the use of penicillin and chemotherapy. Today, some of the brightest minds in medicine choose to work there, and it's the primary teaching hospital for the prestigious Yale School of Medicine. For more information, log on to YNHHS.org. That's YNHHS.org. Soldiers in the military, it turns out, kind of like to be paid. They don't volunteer their services. Well, during the Revolutionary War, fighting lasted a full seven years, and it was very costly, and the government had trouble raising enough money to sustain the battle. They issued a lot of IOUs and printed even more paper money, and of course that had the effect of making the paper money they had already printed increasingly worthless, and that didn't go unnoticed among the enlisted men, who often felt they were fighting more and more for less and less. There are many stories of mini-mutinies and protests by soldiers during the war, the soldiers, in fact, had to spend many cold winter months without the basic shoes, socks, or coats. Well, the government often relied on wealthy individuals to pitch in. They were given high-ranking roles in the Patriot military forces and then paid out of their own pocket for things like uniforms, weapons, horses, and the like. The government also got a helping hand from France. Now, you may recall they came to our rescue during the Revolutionary War to help the young U.S. fight the British. They arranged for loans and sometimes in the form of gold and silver coins. Now, there's an interesting story about a shipment of such gold coins that was being transported from Boston to Philadelphia. On the way, the convoy supposedly stopped for the night in East Granby at a place called Bates Tavern. The story goes like this. The convoy was carrying two and a half million dollars worth of those gold coins, and they were minted with George Washington's face printed on them. There were 13 wagons in that convoy and, of course, a number of Patriot guards. Now, once they got to East Granby, Connecticut, local residents quickly learned of their important mission. Just like all New England towns at that point in time, there were Patriots in East Granby as well as Tories, the ones who remained loyal to the British crown. Now, according to the tale, the Patriot guards, who were supposed to be looking over the loot for the night, well, some of them fell asleep, and they were overcome by a group of Tories who had been hiding in the woods and waiting for just the right moment to spring into action in the middle of the night. They slit the guards' throats. The Tories then made off with the wagons and buried the treasures somewhere nearby. In the morning, the Patriot soldiers awoke, found their comrades dead, and started, of course, looking for the gold. 
They looked for a week. The coins were never found. Now, about 100 years after that, a man named Richard Phelps wrote a book about the history of East Granby. Now, this Phelps was descended from the Phelps family that had originally settled East Granby. And in his book, Phelps told of a letter received by a woman who lived in East Granby. That letter had come from her son, Henry Worcester. Now, Worcester had been an East Granby resident back in the time of the Revolutionary War. He was a Tory and a known troublemaker. In the letter sent from England, Henry Worcester told his mother that he and some of his Tory friends had indeed stolen all those gold coins. But he said that a couple of weeks after the heist, the group met back in the woods to plan their next steps and were confronted by Native Americans who killed all of them, except for Henry Worcester, who had escaped. About six months later, Henry Worcester was arrested, but not for the heist, rather for an unrelated offense of stealing a cow. He was sent to prison, but he escaped, got a boat to England, and decided to tell his mother the whole story. He also told her where the loot was hidden, on the eastern banks of the east branch of Salmon Brook. Now, it's not known if Phelps, the man who wrote the history of East Granby, ever saw that letter with his own eyes or not. Now, as you can imagine, a lot of people have searched for this treasure over the years. In 1944, that's about 80 years ago, a man was walking by Salmon Brook after a heavy rain, found a shiny object in the water, showed it to some folks around East Granby, and you guessed it, the search for the treasure began anew, but to no avail. Well, seven years after that, in 1951, a woman named Fanny Warfield Hayes wrote a letter to the editor of the Hartford Current, and in that letter she said she had studied the theft in great detail and had determined where the treasure was located. She wanted some help from an official treasure hunter to find the coins. Supposedly, she got some help, but nothing more is known about the outcome. In 1958, three boys were playing in the stream, and they found some coins. The father of one of the boys took the coin to a collector in Hartford, who supposedly verified its authenticity. And finally, in 1987, a woman got a flat tire near the Route 20 bridge over Salmon Brook, she was washing her hands in the brook after changing her tire, and she too supposedly found one of the coins. Now, as intriguing as all of this sounds, it remains nearly impossible to verify the facts, and there are many skeptics who say it's completely implausible. Now, in a separate case, missing Revolutionary War treasure is rumored to have been buried in Northeast Connecticut. And joining us today to tell us this story is Joe Iamartino, longtime president of the Thompson, Connecticut Historical Society. Joe, there are reports around Connecticut of various treasures dating back to Revolutionary War times. And one of them, you tell me now, is in East Thompson, Connecticut. Tell me more. There's several stories, Mike. So there's not just one single one, but they all revolve around the, the basic theme that there was money being transported from Boston to New York City. And somewhere along the way, the soldiers were being chased. They had to hurry and hide the loot. This was pay for the Revolutionary War soldiers. They had to hide it. The various stories are, one, the horses were getting tired. They stopped, dug a hole, threw the money under the dirt, and built a fire on top of it. And then 
they were caught by the British. One was killed in a battle, two were hauled away, none ever came back for the money. That story was told by a gentleman by the name of Paul Reich. This was back in the early 30s, and he was from Wilsonville, Connecticut, which is up in the quiet corner in Thompson, Connecticut. Wilsonville is right next to East Thompson. The second story was a man uh, by the name of John Heenig was cleaning his old barn in East Thompson, Connecticut, very close to Wilsonville. It's located near the old Turnpike Road, Boston and the Hartford Turnpike Road. While he was cleaning, he found in the corner under the boards of this floor, a box. He opened the box and there were gold coins and Revolutionary War script and some other things, which I'll explain in a minute. And he was very excited, obviously, to have actually found something. He took it to the American Antiquarian Society in Worcester. They told him that the written material, this script, even though it contained famous signatures, uh, Washington and Adams and the sort, told him that it really was worthless. There's so much of it floating around the country from that era. Obviously, the gold had value. And so Mr. Heenan comes back and starts handing all those Revolutionary War script away to his neighbors. We have since asked to find evidence that any of this existed, none appeared. So I put it out in a newsletter, and a month later, in my box outside of my house, an article shows up from the mid-1930s, and it confirms pretty much the story that I just told you. And is there a third stolen or rescued Revolutionary War treasure story from Thompson? The connected story is that it didn't take place in Thompson at all, that there was a third story that this was known in Washington, D.C., so documented that this hijacking of the Revolutionary War money took place, and that was by a man by the name of Leslie Mills who lived in Wilsonville. The connection to Washington, D.C., did not pinpoint that it came from Thompson, Connecticut, but it happened elsewhere in Connecticut. And the value that was put on the money in that story was $350,000 at that time. So that's it. We don't know the third location. So this first story, let's go back to the first one, and where they had made the fire over the loot and nobody ever came back to get it. Has anybody found that since? No, no one's found it since. Let me give you one more piece of info that might be of value. In the collection of the script, there were some banknotes for a Gloucester, Rhode Island bank. The research has shown that the bank opened in 1804 and it failed in 1809 and it caused quite a controversy when it failed had spurred many things that happened in the United States as a result of its failure. But that was in there as well. So if this was hidden during the Revolutionary War period, how do you explain how the Gloucester note got in there? So it's probable that if someone did discover the Revolutionary War loot, they combined it with some other later material, put it in the box and hid it in this barn. Well, you know, and that brings up a point. 
I don't know about you, but I am very much an amateur coin collector, and I, I have a couple of rare coins, but certainly not a huge collection of them at all. But people do this, and people love to collect antiquities. You're, you know, head of the historical society. You know these people. You've met people that love to sort of dabble in this market. Do you know anybody who collects or has access to revolutionary-era currency? I'll answer you this way. In the article, they mention a man who's papered two rooms of his house with this, at the time, worthless script. These were basically government IOUs to say, hey, if we survive this war, we'll be glad to pay you some money. And it wasn't worth beans after the Revolutionary War was over. It might have been redeemed for a dime to the dollar, something like that. So I understand American antiquarians said that the world had been flooded with this worthless paper. I get that point. And yes, I do know people who collect this type of script. And it's very common. If you search Google, you'll find lots of examples of it. The other interesting part about this is the more that you study the Revolutionary War, the more you realize that one of the most important factors was the fact that the Patriot soldiers in particular were so poorly paid. You look at them compared to, say, the French who came over to help, and the French were much better outfitted and had much better gear, and they had more money. The Patriot Army did not, and it was because of this flooding of paper to, you know, with IOUs and the rampant inflation that occurred that made everything just worthless, that a lot of the, the mutinies that occurred, or at least the rebellions amongst some of the warriors on the Patriot side that don't get talked about a lot, it happened because of that very reason. Oh, exactly. There's so many stories that were told that the soldiers had no socks, they had no shoes. It's one of the, actually the most noted stories in Thompson, how a soldier came home in his bare feet in the winter and the ladies of East Thompson, turns out to be the same village where this story came from about the gold, is they were able to knit him an entire outfit in the three days that he was home and then he had to go back to the war. Yeah, I, I get exactly that point, how poor they were paid and how poorly they were fed. Do you think that somebody somewhere has dug up all this loot and has it somewhere stored under the rafters of their attic? What I'm going to say is I hope that your podcast does what my request before came up with, which was somebody secretly stuck this article in my box at my house as a request to help me solve this issue. So I'm hoping you reach somebody who, who knows where those coins are or uh, can give us some more information about what actually happened. That makes two of us. Yep. One more element to this is the fact that the coastline was being covered by the British during the Revolutionary War caused the soldiers to travel inland on very poor roads. So in 1789, when George Washington came down this exact same path in East Thompson, he wrote in his journal, these roads are abysmal. And by the way, he stopped for breakfast in East Thompson and he said, yeah, the tavern the food isn't very good either. So it's pretty funny reading, you know, 1789 George Washington's notes. And it was right across the street from where this barn was, where he stopped for this bad breakfast. 
what's up this episode of Amazing Tales from Off and On Connecticut's Beaten Path. Is Revolutionary War treasure still buried somewhere in East Granby and East Thompson, Connecticut? Well, I suppose we won't really know until either somebody gets lucky and finds it someday, or if somebody already did, they fess up and share their incredible find with the rest of us. I want to thank our guest for today's program, Joe I. M. Martino, president of the Thompson, Connecticut Historical Society. The answer to this week's trivia question, the question was, what is the name of the original horse and buggy trail from Kent, Connecticut to Salisbury, with the hint being it was not Route 7? The answer, the Warren Turnpike. But like many of the very original turnpikes in Connecticut, you can no longer just get in your car and drive it. But you can be a detective and find it, which is what our guest next week has done. In fact... He has found all 100 of the original turnpike roads in Connecticut and driven them where possible. Wait until you hear his story. Amazing Tales from Off and On Connecticut's Beaten Path is a production of True North Associates, LLC. This is Mike Allen. Be safe and please stay healthy. Stay healthy.